Hey friends, welcome back to the blog and podcast from The Overflow. I'm author and host Tina Avila, and I'm so thrilled that you joined me here again today. Today's episode is titled The Obstacle, and as always, you can find the reader's version in the show notes. I have it linked there with different photos and different links that you can explore more. And before we dive in, I do have to say, I'm nervous about this one. I just am. Um, It was hard to write and man alive did I struggle with it. It turns out that when God asks you to share about that one sin that you struggle with the most, it's truly the worst. So I've been putting this off and putting this off and have had it just kind of sitting in my drafts, crawling slowly to completion for, I mean, at least five months now. So here we are, an episode on pride. And I'm pretending I'm not super annoyed about it. So I previously mentioned that I get to journey through Bible study, prayer, and friendship with an amazing group of ladies. And recently we read through the classic by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. In it, Lewis devotes an entire chapter on what he titles the great sin. Well, let me tell you, referring to pride as the great sin is a bold thing to do, even for C.S. Lewis, but he wasn't the first to do it. The scriptures are full of warning against pride, and rightfully so. In Proverbs 8.13, God says he hates pride and arrogance. Proverbs 16.5 says the Lord detests all the proud of the heart and that they will not go unpunished. Plenty of the Bible's quote-unquote heroes brought grief upon themselves simply because of their blinding pride. For example, King David was blinded by his pride and didn't recognize how awful his selfish acts truly were when he raped another man's wife and had him killed to cover it up. The prophet Jonah was another example. He was filled with anger over the grace shown a repentant people who had turned back to God. And the Apostle Paul, originally Saul, was physically blinded by God in order to reveal to him how spiritually blinded by pride he truly was. Pride is the one thing that cannot fit in your journey of faith. I believe that God has much patience and grace for so much of our fleshly struggle, but pride? Pride says, I'll do it my way. I know best. Pride rejects God before he can even begin to do a work in you. Luke 14, 11 says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. James 4, 6 says, But he gives us more grace. That's God. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And 1 Peter 5, 5 says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride acts as a self-imposed barrier between us and God. I'll say that again. Pride acts as a self-imposed barrier between us and God. That means that we put that on ourselves. It parks itself in that space where we should be bowing humbly with open arms, ready to receive grace. Instead, pride stands in defiance with nose upturned and arms crossed judging anyone who isn't as clever, attractive, wealthy, charismatic, or gifted. Pride misses the goodness God wants to lavish on his children. Theologian Tim Keller says, Religion makes us proud of what we have done, but the gospel makes us proud of what Jesus has done. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son found in Luke 15. I've touched on this parable in a previous episode, but at the time, my focus was on the father in the story, and you can find the link in the show notes to that one. Today, the pride of the eldest son, the dutiful, obedient, prideful son, comes to mind. In Luke 15, the two sons represent the two basic categories every person falls under when approaching God. Try to see where you land. 
One son, after trying to make it on his own and wreaking havoc on his life, realizes he cannot save himself and humbly returns to his father repentant, apologetic, and ready to submit to whatever he knows is best for him. To live under the boundaries, but also the favor of his father. The other son, the firstborn, the one who would have received the double portion of inheritance, follows all the rules and never deviates from what is expected of him. So when the sinful brother returns and their father responds with lavish grace and celebration, the perfect son is scandalized at this and grows resentful. So resentful, in fact, that he rejects the father and his affections. His pride causes him to believe that his good works warranted not only a reward for his exemplary behavior, but punishment for his brother's lousy behavior as well. As C.S. Lewis puts it, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next person. In pride, it isn't enough that we get to enjoy God's grace, but pride takes that pleasure to another level where it somehow only feels good to know that others, especially if they're not like us, do not get to enjoy God's grace as we do. It's heartbreaking to realize that the parable Jesus told does not actually conclude with the prideful brother joining the welcome party, only that the father tries to help him see what a joy it is that the lost sheep was found, that the prodigal son had returned. But there's actually no mention of how the dutiful son responds. For all we know, he simply left or he stayed and allowed his crossed arms of pride continue to envelop him tighter into bitterness. I'm betting on the latter. Even though both sons were in need of the father's grace and forgiveness. Dane C. Ortland says this, we can be immoral dead people or we can be moral dead people. Either way, we're dead. The mercy of God reaches down and rinses clean not only obvious bad people, but fraudulent good people both of whom equally stand in need of resurrection. So you see, to quote Lewis again, as long as you're a proud, you cannot know God. A proud person is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. We know that it was through pride that the devil became the devil and through pride that every other sin comes about. The belief that we know better than God about what is best for us. We say that God is love, and we assume that the opposite of love is hate, but as David Platt puts it, the opposite of love is not hate, it's pride. And in the end, this is what I absolutely love so much about the Philippians 2 passage I had shared in my Easter post, and you can also find that linked in the show notes. If there's anyone who had the right to be proud, it was Jesus. And yet the writer tells us that though he is literally God, He made himself nothing and became obedient to death. It concludes by telling us that in the end, every knee will bow and every mouth will confess that Jesus is Lord. So my takeaway is this, God humbles you or you humble yourself. Either way, you end humbled. And I know it goes against everything in our prideful, selfish nature to bow the knee and give up lordship of our own lives, but there's no other way to truly become all we were created for. He is a force more powerful than we could ever reckon with, and though he comes gently with sacrificial love, he still hates pride. And I just don't want my stubborn pride to be an obstacle between us. Do you? I know there's just so much to work through on our faith journeys, and it can be scary to trust that someone else knows what's best for you. But pride lies to us when it tells us that we know best. 
R.C. Sproul says, you don't have to give up your intellect to trust the Bible and God. You do have to give up your pride. What's in the Ears is a segment of the show where I share the song that I'm listening to while writing. This one is by John Guerra, and it's called Kingdom of God. So friends, does the topic of pride hit close to home for you too? Please tell me I'm not alone. Let me know your thoughts in the comments, send me a message, and share this with a friend too if it resonates. And thanks for tuning in.